Welcome to Koho Luna, Living Spiritual Greatness. I am your host, May Wengel, and I want to invite you on a journey to finding and living your purpose. Knowing and following our inner calling gives our lives meaning and clarity on where our goals are. We're all spiritual beings here on earth to have a human experience. And when we have a focus for this experience, you can create a fulfilled life. Come join me in this movement to make this world a better place by letting go of our fears, old patterns, attachments, and resistance. Do you want to dig deeper into your own purpose? Use the questionnaire linked in the show notes and you will receive a link to schedule your free clarity session with me. But for now, I wish you a lot of inspiration with today's episode. We've been having so much fun. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this new episode here on Koho Luna. I'm so excited to interview another dear friend that I've met on Kopanyan. Uh, when was it? December 2018, I think. Um, dear Liz, hi, welcome. So nice to have you here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> so great. Let's start with um, can you introduce yourself? Like, what do you do? What is, yeah, what's your thing? <laughs> so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm still in. I suppose discovery, but I am a spiritual seeker, a spiritual coach, a spiritual teacher. Um, at the moment, my main offering is online tarot readings and online coaching. Um, so just doing readings for um, the moon cycles, doing reads for general energy. And I also do, you know, one-to-one -one. and that's really where my heart is because I find that, you know, I'm coaching people through challenging times, giving them insights or just allowing them to, view things differently, giving them a different perspective by sort of having guidance, you know, through the cards and through me. I always find, you know, I have things to add on from practical experience, whether that's been from my yoga, my women's empowerment trainings, all these, you know, different tools that come to life um, when you're coaching people. Um, so yeah, I'm still exploring my, my gifts and my service, but at the moment um, I'm very much wanting to help people with their you know, spiritual awakenings um, and spiritual perspective. I think there's um, a general disassociation from what spirituality really is. And for me, I've been making spiritual spirituality practical. You know, how can it help me? How does it work in the day-to-day -day life? How does it transform my life practically as, as well as energetically and, you know, with love and emotion and, you know, all those wonderful, beautiful things. But, you know, let's get real with it. Um, and bring it into the day-to-day -day. so yeah they're kind of my I suppose reasons for being at the moment is to connect and share those sorts of belief systems yeah I love that so much especially that you're saying having a spirituality that fits into our day-to-day -day, right because I feel that sometimes and this is with all my all respect to all different kinds of things but I feel that some of us are so much into uh, I would say like a normal you know life especially we I know that some of our listeners also have corporate jobs or you know like you have a family at home and it's hard to be the yogi that gets up every morning at five o'clock to meditate and do their yoga thing or so many other different rituals or qigong or whatever and it's so important um, to have people like us I think uh, to to share and you know like energy and how to integrate all these things in in a more day-to-day -day basis and not as a you know, like the monk that sits on, on, on the top of the mountain for five years. <laughs> yeah, because spirituality is personal and it is, it's a personal practice and it isn't rigid. It's not about doing a yoga practice and that becoming a burden on top of whatever else that you're dealing with your life. And it's something, 
you know, I, as someone who has left the corporate world and fully emerged myself into a spiritual life and practice, even I've struggled, you know, in terms of why am I doing what I'm doing? It's a new discipline. It becomes a new, you know, order of things, but that's not a personal empowering practice. That's just me doing another thing that's requested of me, you know, to show up, to be the best version of myself. So I think for me, spirituality is it's when you realize it's, it's doing what you can do to create ease and connection in your life. And maybe that comes for people getting up at 5 a.m. to do their yoga before their busy lives, before the kids wake up. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just comes from giving thanks before you eat your meal or, you know, just being a bit more connected when you walk the dog. So for me, that's what I mean about practical spirituality. You don't have to, I did this, you don't have to run away to India and go and stay in an ashram, you know, to have a spiritual awakening or to find ease and grace through spiritual connection. That is so important because it's like you're taking the, can, can we call it dogmatism from one world or the, the, all the pressure, like you said, because you said the corporate world, um, because I felt it the same. It was like this pressure of you have to be this way, you have to be that way, and you have to do it in, in this speed, especially because everything had to be mm. fast. <clears throat> and then you start start working in your spiritual, and uh, you or you or you find your spiritual group that does the, and then it's the next thing because th there you have to be this way, and you have you know like as a spiritual person, for us especially because I mean we ha as coaches it's sort of like we we have become spiritual teachers. And I remember having this view of the teacher that has to be so enlightened and perfect and, and, and uh, this perfect, how do you say, role model for everybody else. And, but it feels like it's not really human. It's not really, because, you know, if they're that perfect, then how do, how do they know that, how I feel? Because I used to be normal, right? <laughs> yeah, but also no one's perfect. I mean, what's this idea that we have that we're striving towards perfection? I mean, we're all sold an image of perfection on our social media, on magazines, on TV and, and on the, you know, the big screen. But, it, but I, there is this clawing back, I think, in humanity to say, we know that that's an ideal and it's actually hurting us now to keep striving towards it. And I have put my spiritual teachers on pedestals. And what I realized a few years or, you know, around when I came back around to this was it's me externalizing and removing myself from my own connection. I'm saying that they are separate to me. They are better than me. And I'm keeping myself looped in this cycle of, I must do more. I can't reach this standard or I must do more to reach that standard. And it's all results driven. And that's what we're taught and raised with in the West is even spiritual practice. You know, if I think about yoga, for example, physical, the physical dominance of yoga, everybody's talking about this now. This isn't new, I don't think. But the physical preoccupation, you know, to get into headstand, It's all about results driven and it's not about how do you feel on the mat in that moment? It's you're working towards achieving the perfect pose. And so much of us, of our lives, of our approach to everything, even spiritual practice is about becoming the perfect ideal. And it just doesn't exist. And I, you only have to look at the amount of yoga gurus who have been knocked down from their pedestals because of sex scandals, because of you know, human desires, the ego, the power that is part of this mm. world, you know, it's as much in Hollywood as it is in the, in the spiritual world. And that is showing us that that darkness, that imperfection is there. And it's, it's, that's the true awakening is to, to look at your imperfections and realize that's what makes you 
the perfect version of you even when you're not enjoying <laughs> you know that experience or expression of, of whatever it is you consider to be less than perfect yeah and I think that's so important to <clears throat> like you said because in that loop we have that 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 pressure that we put on ourselves I mean we put it out there we, we put that pressure on a teacher but we also put it on ourselves yeah and I think that's where unconditional love comes in because if I live true unconditional love, I'm going to love myself the way I am, no matter how many perfect imperfections I have or not. Right. Yeah. And, and how many mistakes you make along the way, we really don't enjoy or accept <clears throat> the, the process of learning and making mistakes as an, as a growth opportunity. I used to cringe when I used to say, there's no such thing as a mistake. It's a learning opportunity, but it's true. And it's because we're not educated to believe that you think about the schooling systems, you know, it's, there's a right or a wrong, there's a grade, there's a, you know, a system where we look at how we're measuring up as opposed to saying, okay, I got that wrong. What can I learn from it? And actually appreciating that learning experience. I still now, you know, and I learn a new job, you know, I get frustrated that I can't do it straight away. And it's like, why, why would I expect to master something straight away. But it's, again, I think a symptom of our age, you know, where we can have access to information automatically, we can demand and, you know, access so much because we're so privileged, but we've lost the joy of the journey. We've lost the joy of the exploration and the stumble and the, you know, figuring it out because we're trying to avoid making mistakes. We're trying to avoid this feeling of failure. And that is, you know, where we need to hold ourselves with, with unconditional love is it is human to fall down. It is human to make mistakes. And that's where the, you know, the, unfortunately or fortunately, the roughest times of my life where I've made mistakes, I've done something I've suffered have been the catalyst for growth and for change and transformation. And that again is a spiritual perspective when you can look back, you know, and, and give thanks for those moments as opposed to just trying to block them out of your experiences or oh, didn't do that right i'm going to cover it up i'm not going to talk about it but it's really challenging to sort of i think find i just think spirituality we were talking about this before can be another tool that you beat yourself with <laughs> in terms of where are you not measuring up where are you not you know achieving or getting it right and it really is the opposite it's about allowing you to take your foot off the brake or the hands off the steering wheel and just allow yourself the privilege of being human and, and making mistakes and making messes as you figure it out. Yeah. I think because it all comes on uh, down to how my judgment is and it doesn't matter how spiritual I am or not spiritual I am. If I am a, a person that has very strong judgmental beliefs and I know it's sometimes hard to admit, Hey, I'm being very judgmental with myself right now, <laughs> but that, you know, like that, that's when we, we that's w what burdens us even more. And it doesn't matter, like, because I remember for myself, um, I went into a burnout, which is sort of like a depression because you're doing overdoing it at work in, when I was still in my corporate world. But the thing is that I took it with me when I went on my spiritual journey and, and I was beating myself up for things that like, why? This is, this is what makes me human. And it's so wonderful once you get into this mode of acceptance and it's like, and suddenly you let go of things that you didn't like about yourself, but you weren't able to let them go before because you, you were holding on to this, you know, like 
oh, it's so bad that I'm doing this. Yeah, I know, I know, it's so bad. <laughs> For me, it's kind of learning to laugh at yourself and enjoy, you know, the, the messy side um, of like your, your inner child, but also just the, the, the mess of, of figuring stuff. I've had very similar experiences to you, corporate burnout. And the thing that really irritated and shocked me the most was um, in a previous experience a few years ago, I was a yoga teacher and I had a yoga studio and I had three other jobs and I was making it work and I had no time. I was as busy, if not more busy than I'd been in my very busy corporate experience. And I was setting up, I remember I sat blogging and I was writing about a workshop and I was just giving myself such a hard time about taking time off. I didn't deserve holidays because I was self-employed and I was building a business. And I was just like struck by this realization that I was the worst boss I've ever had. And there was no one else I could blame. It wasn't like when I was employed and I could, you know, legitimately at times say they're being a bad, there's bad management and they're, you know, they're in a bad mood. This is about them, not about me. There was no one else to blame. And that's again, another opportunity where I could say, Oh, uh, I don't like this aspect of me. I could ignore it, ignore that voice that's saying you're not being very kind and you could change this, or I can look into it and, and try and soften my approach with myself and, and use it as a growth opportunity. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a, yeah, how, how we, how he said it, or yeah, like how we beat ourselves up all the time. Always. Um, another thing that, that we were talking about earlier and that I, I know you said it's okay <laughs> for me to, to bring it into the this episode because I told you that I want to focus more on the whole thing of purpose in our lives and how to find purpose in everything um, um, because I find it it is or I think it's important for us to know our purpose so that we have goals so that we have something to strive for to live for you know because it gives us meaning and I know that there's a special story with your purpose <laughs> Ah, the games I've played with this, yeah, <laughs> labeling. Um, so purpose and finding your purpose has really had to change for me uh, because uh, it isn't a job title. It isn't fixed and it isn't necessarily specific. Um, so I'm going to try and keep this short. So I was a corporate lawyer in the system, job title, you know, didn't need to think, knew my identity, showed up, did the job uh, and burnt out. And then afterwards became a yoga teacher and my yoga teacher training with all serious and sincerity, it was like the light bulb moment. It was the first spiritual education that I'd had. And it really, I had mental health, you know, problems, I'd burnout, depression, et cetera. And suddenly I was being told that there's another way to approach yourself and the world. And there was a more loving, connected way um, of really finding your purpose and sharing it and being of purpose what I mean of being of purpose is, is being of service. You know, your purpose and being of purpose, I think we can get confused with those labels because I am of purpose every minute of every day, regardless of whether I associate that with having a job title or, or a, a service, you know, whether I'm giving to other people. I'm still here, I'm still born, and I have a purpose just as that birthright. But for me, this kind of game started because I was... Um, I think I suppose I, I want to, I don't want to say I had PTSD from my corporate burnout, but because I don't want to be too inflammatory, but, but it was like, you know, coming from like a trauma victim to being like, how do I operate in the world? And all of it, you know, the trauma came with me and I just wanted the refuge of what was known, but in a new world. So it's like, okay, now I'm a yoga teacher and I'm going to be a yoga teacher and I'm going to do what all yoga teachers do. I'm going to build a studio. I'm going to build an empire. And this is going to be how I make 
my living and I'm going to give back. And very quickly, you know, it was like a year, year and year and a half into being a busy yoga teacher. Um, I started to realize something was happening to me through my practice. I was becoming devotional. And I also realized I didn't have time to go on yoga teacher trainings for myself or for immersions or, so it was like, it was becoming an exchange again. I showed up to teach yoga for other people, did my personal practice, but that was it. And yoga was this thing that I loved. Um, <clears throat> so I had this, this intuitive um, calling basically when I was chanting to the divine feminine and I just knew I needed to leave. I needed to quit my life again. And believe me, it was harder the second time. <laughs> Trust that I needed to go and, and follow yoga um, and spiritual teachings for me and for what it was bringing up for me. So I lost my purpose, especially to the outside world and to people from, you know, the mainstream view who saw me go from a lawyer to yoga teacher to then giving up teaching yoga, even though I claim to like yoga. So everybody, including myself, was a bit like, what comes next? So I went back to India trying to find my purpose because I didn't want to waste any more time not being in my purpose. And it was just this game that I now can sit and smile at, but it was really torturous, like chasing my purpose. And I had this horrible feeling that my next yoga teacher training wasn't going to give me the answer. I didn't feel like I was going to get the next certificate and be enlivened to go back and teach more yoga. And that, <clears throat> that is what, what happened. And then I had to follow this kind of intuitive call for chanting, for women's empowerment work through spiritual practice. And then it just suddenly, I just had to give up um, figuring it out and enjoy the privilege of having time to travel and immerse myself in spiritual practice. And then that's when I started to call myself a spiritual seeker because I still wanted the comfort of a name, of a label, of a purpose you know, drifter <laughs> was the other slightly, <laughs> unkind, you know, word that would play around in my mind. Got <clears throat> to the point um, where I started reading tarot and then I was like, well, is this what I'm doing? Is this my purpose? And by that stage, I mean, we're talking a couple of years on, I was just like, you know, I need to stop chasing this job title purpose and just trust that my purpose is to show up as a spiritual seeker and to embody it to live it to share it because that's what I was doing you know I was always blogging or talking to people or sharing in community and I was like that's my purpose and there are going to be different labels or different expressions of it as I continue to evolve and for now for me that's been where I've had to get to in terms of defining my purpose is actually to give up searching for it and just to allow you know my expression of spiritual connection to be my purpose and actually to allow myself to be okay with not being on purpose with purpose <laughs> of purpose you know um so for me i think that was like a a healing from corporate living i honestly do think i when we change careers when you go just from employed to self-employed you really miss the structure and the safety net of, of employment so i think for me that's what I was using purpose and my search for purpose of. I was trying to feel safe in this unknown world, not only self-employed, but spiritual. Um, and, and finally, <laughs> I was beaten down to the point where I could just relax and say, my purpose is just to show up and do what makes me happy and to share what's from the heart. And at the moment, you know, it's, 
it's with tarot and intuitive coaching. Um, but it is really difficult when people say, what do you do? Because generally I just stop like a deer in the headlights now. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> I don't know, you know, because it's not as easy to say, yes, I'm Liz, I'm a lawyer. And I da 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 da. But again, it's all about identification and attachment to a sense of security. I think that's what my journey has been about searching for purpose. It's been about identification and security, sense of self. So I just share that in case, I guess it's a check-in for people for why they're so desperate to be on purpose, to find their purpose. Uh, and also what they actually mean by that, because I've explored the, the nuances, you know, of what purpose really means for me. I think that's, that's one of, <laughs> I, I love that you're actually saying this because I think it's so important before we even get started with anything is to see like, where do I stand with this? Like, what does it mean for me? What would the change of it mean for me? Um, Cause I mean, how, how, how much did your world change when you decided, okay, now my purpose is just to show up, you know? It's yeah. The pressure comes off, but you have to give yourself permission to take the pressure off. You know, we were just talking, you know, about being results driven. For me, finding my purpose was the result of all this inquiry. It was the reason why I fell off the corporate wheel. It was the reason why I didn't fit society anymore. It's the reason why I was being made <laughs> to chase all these, you know, things that are actually gifts. And, it, you know, for me, there's victim story um, about life happening to me and things being removed from me as a result of my spiritual awakening. And, and it's actually the total opposite. Um, so, yeah. I just think we really have to look at why we're chasing something if we're chasing it. You know, we, we are here to live in our Dharma, in our purpose, but it's a movable feast. There's a book by Stephen Cope and I can't remember what it's called, but he talks about how your Dharma can change, you know, for people of us that, that have children, your Dharma for that period, the first, you know, few years of that child's life, your Dharma is to be a parent for that child. And it's not, to say nothing else is important to you. But I, I think we've, particularly in the West, we get so caught up with career identification that we, we attach that, you know, in as much in the spiritual world and the coaching world and the intuitive healing world, whatever it is. Yeah. And also we want to understand each other. We want to know what we stand for. So I think that's where purpose can be helpful is we can communicate because we both know we're both coaches and we understand the purpose you know, that we, we share in that. So it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying like everything we need to look at why we're chasing it. And it is, you know, I see a lot of, I'll see a lot of people running, you know, retreats and courses will help you find your purpose, will help you find your calling. Well, I've been trying to find it, <laughs> but, you know, since 2015. And for me, it was, it was a, it was a game. It was a loop. It was a chase. And the minute that I, stopped and just took the pressure off to be finding something more than I had then I just started to enjoy um myself a lot more and I started the to true find more pleasure you know in just exploring where I'm at you know if I can use the tarot as an example it's a new it's a new skill it's a new gift um and the the thing I've had to learn with it is to run is to walk before you run you know and to enjoy this phase of exploration to just be playful and enjoy it. And it doesn't matter how many people are or are not having readings with me or watching my YouTube channel. What matters is what I'm getting out of it and what it's developing for me. 
And that's the purpose of it. It's not to earn me money, although that would be nice. <laughs> you know, and, and I do think we need to have fair exchange of value for our services. I don't want to demean that. Um, but, but it's about looking at what this is really, what, what is the purpose of this? And it's not necessarily that I will be, you know, the next YouTube tarot sensation. It's not about that. It's just about what is it letting me express and experience in the now. Yeah, following the inner calling, right? What, what, what wants to be created through you right now in this moment? Yeah. But yeah, I love rather worrying what it's going to lead to. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to make it be more too soon. Yeah, and I love it because it, it again, it always comes back to the labels we use, the pressure we put on ourselves. Um, like you said earlier, the, the even the spiritual thing can be something, even our search for a purpose can be something that that breaks us that actually you know like because we're so bent on and we have to and i always like to use um uh because it always comes down to this pressure we put on ourselves and i love i think it's what's his name again confucius that says if you're in a hurry go slow mm -hmm. and if you need to get somewhere very fast you know take the work the walk around And I think that's such a great picture that I've noticed with my clients and with everything. A lot of the times, the biggest block, the biggest, how do you say, um, challenge that we have that actually holds us back from anything, like whatever we want to achieve in life, is the pressure we put on ourselves. <laughs> it's the pressure, and it's just ourselves. It's no one else. No one else is putting that pressure on us. It's just yeah. ourselves. But it, I mean, it's us programmed by systems, you know, and I think there's like a process for me in terms of you, you see the patterns, you have to take responsibility for it and change it. And it is difficult to work in a different dynamic to the way that the world is currently geared up, you know, to support. Um, and it's, it's finding forgiveness for what you were told that wasn't true. And then taking responsibility for that. It's that it is hurting you to work in that way. You know, I, I, for one, still in limbo land you know I've, i've been having to look over the last few years well will i get another job you know, you know a normal day job to help because there are financial realities about being in this world so it's not you know you don't always find the answers straight away with say spiritual services uh, but it's about being realistic and, and understanding is you've got to be grounded and safe as you move through the world but it's not to do that from fear um, and say that that is the only way that you can operate And there is just this dance, I think, when you break away between the old system and, and finding the new, because you know that there, there aren't as many role models as there are for the for the old for the old method. Um, but we are. It's an interesting time to have this conversation, obviously, because you know I, for one, have been watching people I know who've been told that they could have no flexibility in their working lives to suddenly having total flexibility <laughs> because the world has gone, you know, crazy with the virus and, and no one can operate as normal. So everything's possible, I guess, is what, what I want, is what I'm trying to say with that. Um, you just have to give yourself permission to do things differently and to trust that it can work. And the trust, that's a big thing for me. I've, I've always wanted the, the, the certificate at the end, like the qualification or just the proof you know to get to the finish line and be like i want to know that i'm on the right path and it's it doesn't work like that you just have to keep putting one step in front of the other and trusting uh that you will you know you're on the right path you're you're moving in the right direction and it's scary at times 
I, I love that you're saying this because I was born into a German society and German society is so much uh, used. I, I'm going to say used to because I think it's changing right now, but it used to be so much on if you have this paper, then you're important. Then, you know, you're, you're and even for spiritual things, they have, you know, certificates and you can. And I remember like I, I even I had three tries of going into university, getting a degree. <clears throat> and there was always something that came up that I couldn't be there or couldn't even finish. Interesting. <clears throat> I had like the shamanic teacher that I had when he, when I started with him, he was like, cause I remember him trying to get me into the first training from the, some of you guys know foundation for shamanic studies used to, I don't know if it's still very good, but it used to be a very big um, on shamanism all over the world. And he was a counselor in that, in that system and we were trying to put me into the training, getting myself in there in the first basic, because then he could teach me the rest because that was their laws for me to get me. And we couldn't like, it, there were always something coming in between. And so he was like, okay, we can, I mean, I can teach you, but I can't, I'm going to probably not going to be able to give you a certificate for it ever. <laughs> so like I always had to go through things where it's like, the, I, I wanted certificates, but the world was telling me, nah, you don't need them. <laughs> It's, I've had a story with that too because I was a lawyer so I had so many professional qualifications and things that you know the society myself and parents everything everybody was really proud of, of the work and the, the achievement and the establishment that I was part of and when I became a yoga teacher I would you know I went to an accredited um, yoga course and was really like if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure that it's accredited, that I've got a certificate because then, then this is real. The tarot has been a completely different experience. It, it just sort of, it's the first time really I've been able to, or allowed myself to in my life to just allow something to organically happen. Uh, so I was just, I never really knew what I was doing with it. Like I bought cards, I bought Osho's um, deck when I did my training, first yoga teacher training in Rishikesh in 2015. And I would read from the book for friends. I never really used it for myself. The cards are quite out there. And I was like, eh. never really thought anything of it. And then in 2017, when I left again, I took them with me because I was like, I'm going to spend some time journaling. I'm going to pull cards for myself and have more time for, a, you know, <laughs> a three hour spiritual practice in the morning. So I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And then again, it was something I was doing with a friend. And weirdly, I gave her the Osho cards and said, do you know what? You seem to, to like them more than me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in a new tarot deck. So I bought a deck and it had like a book. So I was sort of working with the book. And then my friend who had given the cards to, she'd signed up for an online intuitive tarot course. It's like a 21 day thing, um, an hour a day. And she's like, I've started doing it. I'm not resonating. I think I've bought it for you. So I then logged on and was like, this is amazing. And it's all about storytelling and like using your intuition with the cards as opposed to any traditional learned uh, meaning, which for me to go from a system where <laughs> there are precedents, there are authorities, there are traditions, there's right and there's wrong and there's discussion, you know, suddenly I was like, you just pick up a card and say how you feel. Um, and then I was doing readings for my friend um, with the deck and she'd be like, this is really good. And I was like, yeah, and I kind of got to the point where I was like, maybe I should test myself. Maybe I should do one blind on someone I don't know. And her housemate, who we, we were remote, I was in Koh Phangan and she was in India. And she's like, well, um, my housemate is like a reading. 
And straight away, this very personal storyline came up um, about a, de a deceased parental figure. I don't want to say too much because it's, you know, it's still someone's personal information. And I was just reading the cards and I'm talking into my phone and I'm like, this has got really heavy, really personal, really quick. And then, and also, I don't know if it's true. So my mind is going crazy saying, this is all nonsense. What are you talking about? You're embarrassing yourself. Anyway, I send it off um, to the friends and I'm like, give me feedback. And I'm like really nervous thinking this is, <laughs> this is embarrassing. She's going to come back and be like, what are you talking about? And the friend came back and was like, you're completely spot on. And I don't know how you, you know what you know. And, uh, you know, it was really helpful reading. And it was then that I did five. So I had clients following me from my yoga whilst I was traveling. So I, I put a thing on Facebook and said, first five people to message me will get a free reading because I'm, you know, learning this. And again, I got good feedback from them. And, and within a, the next week, I'd started offering it. And still now, I just shared with you, you know, I have new people who come to me who I don't know, and they'll come through social media. So there's no way of, of knowing who they are and their, their status, whatever it is. And even now, I still have that <laughs> voice saying, this is rubbish you're making it up and I'll get the feedback and the validation that it's completely on point and this is what I shared with you is it's the trust in the universe and the trust in myself as a vessel as opposed to what a qualification gives you is the sense of that you've achieved it and that it's you controlling the outcomes it's you in in charge of the process and intuitive living and spiritual practice is all about becoming mm. a vessel and a channel yeah. and giving up the need to control the learning and the outcomes. Yes, you still have to study. I'm studying astrology and I have to show up and use my mind. But my teacher, my astrologer, she said to me, you're going to learn all this and then you're going to let it go because it's going to become intuitive. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's this different way of living and connecting with information of trusting that knowledge comes mm. through you. And that is different to saying the answers on page 43 of a textbook, you know? And I do think back to a lot of my like exams that I've taken over the years. And there have been so many, particularly as a lawyer, and some of them would be open book. And all you're really doing is memorizing where the information is so you can regurgitate it in, in a, you know, a tested hour of, of time. And I'm like, what is that really showing you? And for me, as, as someone who's intellectual, who's done things by the book for years, the tarot for me has been a real revelation in terms of trusting my intuitive sense and my emotions my emotional body you know sometimes I'll feel physically mm. different when I'm doing a reading and every time I put my faith in it and say it I'll get the validation back from a client that yeah they've been having pains in their shoulders or headaches or whatever so it's just for me it's an extraordinary way of connecting and having um, another form of intelligence I guess I know, I know, definitely, I know I, I can com like confirm that 100% because I used to have it the same way when I was doing uh, guided meditations. It was like, I remember the first, because I mean, one of the feedbacks that I got a week before I went online for the very first time for a guided meditation was of a friend, well, not, a, I wouldn't say friend, but someone I know uh, that told me your voice isn't good enough. You need to speak differently. And, you know, like you have to do everything differently. And and I remember, and that was a week before, so I had a whole week to go through that, <laughs> working through. Oh my God. <laughs> and then two hours before I went live, one of my friends actually said, you know what, who cares? You want to have the people listening to you that actually like you the way you are. You don't want to have to change anything about it. 
And that gave me a little piece. And then when I started digging into the Hawaiian philosophy is where I learned it's going to be there, who needs to be there. You're, it's going to be said what needs to be said. And it's going to happen what needs to happen. And it's going to take as long as it needs to take. And that's it. And once you go into that acceptance, it's like, yeah, this is the true surrender. It's like, yeah, I'm not the one guiding it. And mm. that's why, why should I bother to even think about it? It's like, it's going to happen, whatever needs to happen. And yep. if it's and I, supposed to trigger someone, it's going to trigger someone. If it's supposed to give someone help, hope, and, you know, it's going to do that. And it's going to happen what needs to happen. Yeah. And you've just got to show up in your truth at that time. You know, that's purpose. Exactly. Um, and not to you know for me my ego has definitely struggled Um, I care very much about being respected for what I do and and external validation I'm a people pleaser I always say I'm I'm a people I'm a recovered people pleaser but I'm still a people pleaser you know I still watch and see how many likes do I get from my videos how many subscribers have I got and it is I know it doesn't matter I know actually what brings me contentment and makes me feel on purpose or of purpose is making a difference to someone, not thousands of people, not millions. I don't, you know, I would like to be financially sustainable in what I do. And I think there is, you know, a need to think big and step out and stand in your presence and your power. But I do think it's really easy in the spiritual world to still fall into the Western mindset, patriarchal you know, consumerist, commercial, capitalism mindset of you've got to have this profile, you've got to be big on social media, you've got to have, you know, thousands of people liking and following you in order to have impact. And it's not true. And it's, it's, you know, about finding that deeper, you know, sense of purpose away from the noise, because it is all noise. Um, And that's why, you know, the one to one, I actually really love. And there's only so much you can do of that. It's uses energy it uses time and i'd rather know that i've shown up and given one person the best of me than a thousand people you know something that i don't know just doesn't have the same essence or for um not commitment because you know it's the wrong word but you know what i mean like if you're putting out videos or content because you want to see you're doing it because you're trying to boost your numbers or you're doing it to look the part it's not authentic to me you know as as an offering and I have resonated in my spiritual path with people who have just been you know true to themselves and not caring about the noise so it's 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 been an interesting point of my this discovery is to be of purpose regardless of any external validation or external you know validation of success yeah, and that, that's why this podcast was created, because I love interviewing people, and I also love talking about things about personal <laughs> development. <laughs> and if I can reach some people with it, it's amazing. So that's why. No, so definitely, I know what you mean. And I also know, I mean, it is wonderful if we can touch many, many people. And I hope mm. that this podcast reaches a lot of people out there, of course, because I feel that I I am so grateful for all the wonderful people like you that I'm able here to, to interview here. And and uh, but I definitely know that, especially like the one-on-one coachings, it's so wonderful to be able to like concentrate on one person. You don't have to think about time, 
because I think if you go into masses, it's like, okay, I have 30 minutes and then, you know, the next one in 30 minutes and then the next one. And if you just concentrate on a few, but you're able to, yep. you know, like really give everything to these few, it's so wonderful. It's yeah, I know what you mean. It, that realization came to me in my first online coaching call. Um, and it, partly it was like, well, I need to earn money from this and needs to be a fair value exchange. And I wanted well, I had, I, I did it for free the first one because I was getting used to, to all the technology required, um, which actually was an error because I think people are less committed and less likely to show up unless they've put some, some money or financial investment behind it. I just think it's an, an energy exchange that's needed. Um, but I had between, go on. Sorry, and especially because you're just saying that, and because I, I especially noticed and even if, you, if it's too little, it's an investment you do for yourself. It's not that we're receiving the energy. Mm. You're receiving that energy as well when you're making the, that payment because you know for you it's worth it to actually put the work into it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a side note. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I still struggle with pricing of things. Um, yeah, it's just a dance I think we have to do and, and understand that that's yeah. part of our spiritual practice. Our, our relationship with money is a, is a whole other thing that we... <laughs> that we could talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I had on the list, I had between seven and 10 people who'd said they were coming to this coaching call. And I was like, fantastic. That's a success. I'm going to have 10 faces potentially looking at me and we're going to share. And then when it came onto the call, only two showed up and you know, I am holding space for the people, but I also have to observe my own process. And I was like, I felt disappointment. I felt unsettled. I felt like I'd failed. And all of that, you know, was there. And then we just connected. I did a deep breath. We did an arm. I can't remember just to, you know, that's how I need to make sure I can then focus. And then I did the call with these two beautiful women and it was an hour and a half. It went like that. I was physically drained afterwards from holding space, from being there for them. And then the feedback they gave me was that they'd never had the opportunity to really provide an exchange you know their stories and their they never had the space held in the way that only two people on a call would allow mm -hmm. so if you have that group feeling where it's not just one-on-one -on -one and it's not too personal or too intimate you are getting other people's perspectives but it wasn't so big that there wasn't time or space for everybody to be heard so i was you know and again it was this aha moment of yeah what do i want to offer people like what am I really getting just having nine people potentially silent looking back at me as I do all the talking or do mm -hmm. I want to facilitate an exchange and uh, you know, a flowing conversation where everybody's participating and lifting each other up. So it was a really interesting thing again of what you think about when you see these big coaches or big, you know, successful people who've got millions and thousands of people, that's maybe what that, you know, that's their purpose. That's what they're meant to be doing, but it doesn't mean you're failing if you're not hitting the, the same criteria, exactly. the, same, yeah, the same outgo outgoings. <laughs> I yeah. think it's so funny how you're saying that because I, I, I set up a membership site for my German clients as well. And of course, with the hope of getting in as many people as possible. And in the end, it's, I think, eight regulars, or I think now it's even less. I think now it's six, six people regularly there every two weeks. We have the group call. And what I love about it is what you said is like, I can actually take the time for each one of them. Like, I don't even have to time it. It's like, I'm just there for them. I hold the space. They can interact a little bit with each other, but we're like, we can actually give each one of them the focus Not like, now it's you, let's talk about it. Let's see what you need. And it's, it would be, it wouldn't be possible if I would have like 100 people 
like you said, staring at me, going like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, or maybe even cooking. Like I would yeah. be the one, you know, <laughs> cooking while I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, so yeah, that definitely that that does a lot of things. But I think it's also again, I think it it also depends on what your calling is. I do yeah. believe. <clears throat> when I watch people um, like Gab- Gabby Bernstein, maybe you know her, or yeah, she was Mel Robbins in my mind. Yeah, right. Um, Mel Robbins. I don't know if you know Mel Robbins or um, Brené Brown. I love Brené Brown with all the authenticity. Um, and those people, like, I mean, they really move thousands of people around there. And <clears throat> it doesn't mean that we're not moving a thousand people. It's just that we don't see them because we don't, you know, offer that kind of it's not our calling to do that kind of work like that. Well, yeah, but you're also disconnecting yourself. So the compar- it's the comparison piece that we talked about at the start of this, this conversation is if you put anybody on a pedestal as being, you know, the, the, the right version of a coach or a public speaker, you, it's nothing to do with them. What you're actually doing is, is devaluing or disconnecting with your experience now. Who knows, you know, where you and I will be in five years, 10 years <laughs> 50 years who knows who anybody will be because you know the Gabby Bernsteins and the Brenny Browns they started small too but the the problem I think with I suppose social media and comparison is you're always chasing something else rather than just honoring where you're at and you know to use my example I could have spent that coaching call really in a space of I've not had enough people this has been a failure or you have the choice to step in and say well what is right in front of me and what can I connect with you know, and, and to really engage, like you said, with your eight members and to keep that connection true and real. And regardless of any story or comparison that you're making with whether that's enough, you know, of a, of a result or of a service, you know. Yeah, and it's incredible because on the other hand, it's amazing. They show up all the time. They're there. They're, you know, like, it's so great because it, it's become this community for us you know I, I mean of course now it's all of us holding the space together for it right yeah and I do think as as I don't know as people who are learning how to facilitate don't you want to get your training wheels you know I t- I'm telling myself this <laughs> you know don't you want to walk before you run don't you want it you don't ride a bike necessarily without stabilizers so to go from zero to you know an auditorium of 2,000 people you're not necessarily going to give your best work and it and it's about as we said honoring the journey honoring the process being humble and knowing that it's all happening at the right time in the right way that it should be and you said it before surrender to the process is so important rather than thinking you know what is this working towards yes I do think it's important to have like a manifestation vision board and have goals but not to get attached to that being why you're doing what you're doing because it takes you out of, of the present, you know, to be thinking, oh, this is the step that I must take to get to the next, next level. And just enjoy, you know, where you're at. And if you are teaching to thousands of people, then, and you enjoy it, and that's your highest excitement, then, then keep doing it. It's not to say that's bad. It's just, I think a lot of us who are doing things on a more community grassroots level, you know, think that that's, that's the... I suppose the the pathway like with lawyers you know you start off as a trainee and and then you become a partner there's like a hierarchy that we've always got to a linear approach to all of these things and it's not linear it's actually (laughs) you know just looping and looping um yeah 
Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, Liz, this was so wonderful. This was so beautiful. And I know we could go on and on and on, but then this episode is going to be too long. So I'm <laughs> we're going to have to. Um, I'm going to put all your links in the show notes, but just for the, those who, who uh, want to listen to it, what's your main page or what, what's your main social media channel where they can follow you? Yeah, so I offer um, regular um, general YouTube tarot readings on embodied feminine energy. And I'm also relatively active on Instagram and Facebook. And again, it's embodied feminine energy. So they're my current pages where I'm sharing, um, yeah, just tarot or just, you know, like as I say, spiritual perspective as we go through these these interesting times so my coaching uh, information is also available on the social media pages perfect and we're going to put everything in the show notes so <laughs> you guys can find it definitely well thank um, you for having me yeah this was so exciting <laughs> thank you so much for being here this was really amazing we need to do this more often <laughs> it was a lot of fun <laughs> definitely thank you very much and thank you everybody for tuning in and yeah. have a great time i think uh, yeah we're going to be posting this probably today so we're gonna ha i wish you all a great weekend and uh yeah if you guys want to have really good uh, tarot readings or just wonderful coachings that have to do with uh, no that are guided through tarot <laughs> come and come and find liz <laughs> thank you my dear thank you thank you everybody <laughs>